0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode number 37 of Connection is Magic. This week, we go into part two of the Naveen Watamal interview where he discusses the last days of working at the Justin Timberlake label and the depression and the hardships and going to different job interviews and applying to different jobs for over a year and change, getting nowhere, and how difficult that was for him. And he goes into some really helpful advice on how to navigate job transitions and job interviewing, and then he rounds it out with some great things that he learned from his many years of dating, about seven years and 400 dates, and like he says, you either win or you learn. Thank you for coming back. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Connection is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Shulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach, In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain, we end up feeling lonely and isolated and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to connection. Yeah, Naveen, Naveen's favorite Naveen's favorite question to ask his music
1: business friends: Are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? <laughs> That's so good. And dude. I wish I asked myself that, you know, in those five years. If only with somebody Justin, would have come to you with that yeah, question, right? Yeah, because because yeah. at the end of the day, like, isn't that what just about everyone's looking for, right? To be happy. It's true. And I think for me, I had I was working in music. I was working for one of the biggest names in music in this in an anr position like and i went from anr manager to vp of A&R to general manager you of had the all label, the sexy right? titles so <laughs> I had all these sexy titles <laughs> yeah i'm working for the biggest star on the planet yeah like this is the dream job right so so I mean, why I'm apron. is it behind
0: but behind closed doors you were not a happy man at no, that time I wasn't right no was not happy yeah. and like
1: this is not to knock like ken or Justin or anything like that. Like this is a, I think it's more of it's an internal journey, yeah, man. Yeah, right? It's yeah. like, there are tons of people that are in the, in, that are in music that are happy. Right. But yeah. I wasn't right. Yeah. And it was it, like the dynamic of like the culture of our company wasn't great. It was a small company, but the culture wasn't great. I wasn't in a position where I was growing. I wasn't in a position where I was taking care of my own health, like physical or mental. Um, and it just wasn't, it was weighing on me. And you have this situation where you're in this dream job, but you're unhappy. I didn't even have that awareness at that point isn't
0: that more of a mind fuck it's like wait i should be happy yeah, right? right i, I yeah. mean people have that. Yeah. not it almost cliche at this point yeah it's like, oh, like you're dating uh, a supermodel you're <laughs>
1: supposed to be happy yeah, right yeah. that's what that's what the dream is yeah but, but it wasn't yeah it, it's, it's, one of
0: our guests you remember kareen she's uh yeah. yeah 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 she's a model and started a card game that got successful yeah. and on the episode she's like she had her first ad in times square which is obviously is a model like as big as it gets and she's like yeah that was like my most depressing day. And I'm like, wait, that's so bizarre because it's not what society teaches us. I think it's important to really get a good visual of the last days at that label and what your headspace was like, you know, as that thing started to wind down.
1: So things started to wind down. Two of our, our artists, we released our projects. They didn't hit. We ended up cutting ties with them to, you know, let them go on their way. And uh, my favorite artist that we had signed, this girl, Brenda, incredible, super talented, like the most talented artist that you've never heard of, plays seven instruments, classically trained voice and piano, produces her own music, incredible. I have like a 100 songs of hers from the five years that she was signed that, like. You would make a good manager for her. I was a manager for her. <laughs> I ended yeah. up becoming her like, manager, I want to listen. I want to listen. Right? Wait, where's the Spotify link? Um, Yes. So so I ended up becoming her manager. Uh, She ended up getting dropped by Interscope after four years because we didn't put out any music from from her. Justin ended up getting her re-signed to RCA where he was signed as a solo artist. We still wanted to do right by Brenda Mm -hmm. and Justin knew that he hadn't set her up for success and... Over that four-year time at Interscope, hadn't put out any music for her, and it wasn't a shock that she got dropped. So he was like, "I need to give this girl, a, you know, a fair shot." So he got he got her a deal through RCA. But to get that deal, we had to re-sign Brenda to Ten Man because once Interscope dropped her, mm-hmm. it was essentially dropped from Ten Man Interscope.
0: We said that um, there's really no justice in the music business. Not at there all, man. Really, is not because garbage. I mean. I'm, I'm getting the smoke now, but garbage music can succeed at a very high level and amazingly, mind-blowingly talented artists can
1: be sleeping in their cars. Dude, this is a girl that was signed from age, I think 23 to 31 to two different major labels. How many songs do you think they released? I would hope, I would hope <laughs> at least years. one, I would hope at least one album. Zero songs got released. Oh. Zero songs. And it's not because of her lack of talent or her lack of effort. Is it political? Like what you know, like I think it, it, it's part political. It's I mean, if if she's not a priority for Justin Timberlake who signed her, then why would the major label make her a priority? you know
0: yeah but i thought justin wanted to do right by her at rca he did, but so then what happened
1: he did right by her by getting her a deal but then he's working on the 2020 album <laughs> yeah. and who's he going to prioritize yeah. her or his own music he could have done better by her for sure but but anyway so okay so we're getting we got, to we're getting to yeah, your right. headspace, as, so this headspace. So, all, so as this was ending ending, we've already closed our office and we're working out of Justin's apartment at the W. Hotel and you closed in your office
0: because again, Interscope didn't re-up the deal, yeah. so you started. It's that was kind of the wind down point, right? Yeah, when that was absolutely
1: like the writing was on the wall. Yeah. When Interscope does not renew your joint venture deal, you're like, okay, this is probably only a matter of time. Yeah, it's only a matter of time, right? But I still had hope and faith in not only just Justin's artists, but I'd become close with a lot of people there and spent a lot of time with Justin in the studio and with his with the new president of the label that ended up replacing Ken after four years, was close with them and felt really valued by the organization and felt like once Justin finally started working on his own music again, that I had grown up in this Justin, like I had done the Justin school Like of, there would be a a, allegiance, right? or yeah. whatnot. And like, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting paid all that much. Yeah. So I knew that they, they respected me and valued me. And I thought it was a pretty natural transition for me to work on his project once it became time for that. would Be the twenty twenty experience, yeah, that'd right? Twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And it just—it was a carrot that was insinuated and dangled for me. And after we re-signed Brenda, and I convinced her to re-sign it with Justin because try telling an artist after they've been signed for five years to re-sign with that same label after they've put out yeah. zero music. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty. Obvious choice to keep me on with the team, especially after I re-signed his, like, his artist. Of course. So a week after I got Brenda re-signed, they let me know that in two weeks would be my last day. With no severance package, with no nothing. And I went but I was like, I was really hurt by this, right? Because it came out of nowhere. Of course. As much as I knew the writing was on the wall, I thought, we just re this artist to RCA. Who's going to see her project through? Like, she doesn't want it to be anyone besides me. Yeah, because like, you built that relationship I built up that right relationship. There. I'm the reason why she... I'm, I, I'm the person that convinced her to re-sign. How is she going to feel that the person that convinced her to re-sign, you just let go, right? So, it was not a good look. When you
0: think of, like, the... I don't know, the griminess of the music business, that's like... That, to me, goes in that category. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's
1: I, like... And the timing was, like, kind of back-to-back. Like, yeah, you, you just got
0: her re-signed. Like, and then you weeks... Were,
1: Within, were like, weeks. Oh, within weeks yeah wow. and even the way that they handled it like if they had told me hey we don't have overhead from from Interscope anymore these label costs are coming out of Justin's pocket so like we've got to make the right business decision and we've got I'm sorry we got to let you go so be it but like with tact essentially yeah right? with tact like give the dude some severance give yeah. him like make sure he's got insurance for the next couple months like yeah. he's been with you for five and a half years for right? Sure. This is where you do the right thing and not necessarily what's in the contract because I didn't have an appointment agreement, right? So I went back to the Justin team like, and said, severance at all? Like I've worked for you for five and a half years, which is like 10 years in music industry years, right? <laughs> that's that's fast. And they came back to me and they were like, we'll give you two weeks severance. Which is just like a spit in the face. That's a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a slap and a spit and a and a a kick and everything and and like a shit on your chest and And, like maybe backing
0: their car up into (laughs) you. Yeah, Yeah. and there was a stipulation about getting there.
1: Yeah, so with that severance agreement to get my two weeks of pay, which I wasn't getting paid shit, so two weeks of that was not much. It was they included an NDA, (laughs) and I had never signed an NDA working for Justin, which was miraculous because celebrities of his stature have everyone in a five mile radius sign an NDA Very true. but I had never signed one and I wasn't about to not for two weeks salary probably not for two years salary mm. maybe for two years salary. <laughs> uh, yeah but I wanted to be able to speak the truth about what happened yeah and you're not gonna buy my silence with two weeks of salary yeah for know? sure yeah and at the time I was angry I was hurt all that but now, of course, years later, I'm none of those things, and well, I'm in a healthy Let's not, spot. Let's not I,
0: fast forward too fast, man. The but. headspace of what that was like, oh, yeah. though, because yeah. then you were like, "All right, so where the fuck do I go from here?" Like, yeah. I did this. Do I want to go back into a major label pod somewhere? Yeah. Or what yeah would you so, so
1: I'm at this point where I'm like, "Okay, this job that I just came from doesn't exist anywhere else. So I know I can't find that, right?" What do I actually want to do? And I continued to... I was managing a couple of artists and producers and stuff at that point. So I continued doing that. But I started to do, like, self-reflection. I realized I wasn't happy in music. I realized I was... I mean, even in my interactions with the clients I was managing, like, every time they reached out to me, I was like, oh, now what? So I recognized, like, I'm not... I don't like this. But I also didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was a really tough place to be because it's like, you know you're not... You know you don't like what you're doing. You don't know what you want to do. So what do you do, right? Yeah. So how heavy was that, and and how long did that
0: last? I remember you saying it lasted over a year and change, where you were like in this really dark
1: place, right? Yeah. It was. uh, So I ended up letting go of all my clients and took a break, like took a month off, and went to I went to Phuket with a friend and just tried to like. My idea was like I'm gonna sell on the beach. And just like it'll be come at to me and it, like it, it'll come to me. Yeah. and it doesn't happen like that, <laughs> right. What I started to learn was like I, I was drawn to technology because I saw the tech space solving a lot of inefficiencies in the world and was like and, and saw it happening with music, I mean, you know, streaming services and whatnot, and thought, okay, tech is the future. Let me try to get my foot in the door there. I didn't really know how... I'd never done a formal job hunt. I'd never, like, really updated my resume or, like, had to figure out how to pitch myself.
0: And you said it was tough out there because you had... I mean, you said over... A hundred applications or more in that oh year. God. It's like probably, probably
1: thousands.
0: A thousand applications. And you're
1: just like you're sending it out online into this black hole yeah. of job submissions and that just doesn't work. Especially because I was trying to make a transition. It wasn't like I was a marketing coordinator looking for my next marketing coordinator job. Like yeah, it wasn't a great point. It wasn't linear to try to take my Justin skill set and translate it into tech or like just the real world outside of music. I had to learn how to build a narrative and position myself so it makes sense to the to like to the audience that I was pitching myself to. People recognize the Justin Timberlake name on my resume and they see like, "Oh, you are the general manager of his record label." But if I'm applying for a marketing director position, they're like, "Okay, how does this fit? How does <laughs> yeah. how does this make sense?" Right? Yeah. Kind of feel like each step that I took was helped me get to where I am now, right? Because if I hadn't done music, I wouldn't have gotten to music tech. If I hadn't gone into music tech, I wouldn't have gotten to the next startup, which was, sound, which was Moment, yeah. which was a digital fundraising platform. It was a personalized video messaging platform. Yeah. It's kind of what Cameo is right now, if, mm-hmm. if anyone's familiar with that. In Cameo, the the money goes to that public figure our model was 80% of that money goes to the charity of that public figure's choice. Yeah. So that's why I got involved in it cuz I wanted to do something positive. At that point I was like, I know I don't like music. I don't want to be in music anymore. What do I want to do? I'm not sure, but if I have if I'm doing something positive, I know I can wake up and feel motivated about that.
0: Let's kick it back to some of the ridiculousness though of the music industry <laughs> yeah. and you talked about <laughs> yeah. like wanting all the smoke. So I feel like we should take you up on that offer. <laughs> tell me tell me like one of the most ridiculous moments in your music experience i already know what it is but uh, please share that with uh with the listeners
1: back in the days of working with justin uh and the joint venture with interscope we would go through the building at the major label and continue to build the relationships with like the, the partners that we we're working with in different departments, right? So radio, publicity, a and et cetera. And as much as we had creative control over our projects, we still would have an A&R in, at Interscope assigned to our projects that would sign off on our budgets and stuff. So w- one of those a rs was DJ Mormalee, who's the, who's the nephew of... Uh, the founder of Interscope. Jimmy Ivey, right. And uh, we went in to meet with him and play him some music at one point. And he was at his desk, and I think there was probably some sports <laughs> on in the background. Multiple TVs. Yeah, on. he probably had, <laughs> he had like poker or something on his, yeah. on his laptop. You know, he's, he's a guy that was gambling and always watching sports yeah. and stuff, very competitive. We go into the office, and we're like, hey, DJ, what's up? You know, he's always really nice. Um, so, didn't have an issue with him there. But he was looking down at this paper on his desk, and he like had his cap and his glasses, and like he's shaking his head, and he's like, man. I'm like so stumped here about what to like, what to do with this project. I've got 18 singles (laughs) and he had a list of, of songs that he was trying to like cut down to figure out what to put on this album. This album was Nicole Scherzinger, the the, the head of the uh,
0: Pussycat Dolls for those those that remember her. So he's looking
1: at this list of Nicole songs the, the songs
0: are so good. he They're just all he, singles. He just, They're
1: 18 he's singles. He's just
0: perplexed on what to do. Perplexed
1: because yeah. he had hit after hit after hit and had no idea how to call this down into a list that would be enough for an album. In my head, I was 18 like, singles? <laughs> like, I mean, even on Michael Jackson's Thriller, there's a shitty song, I'm sure, right? Like, Nicole really has 18 singles? But... I'm trying to get a budget signed, so I'm not going to say that to his face. I try to be empathetic and, like, yeah, you know, 18 singles. You know, it's a tough problem. It's, it's a good problem to have, yeah, you know, something yeah. like that.
0: No, or, the best part of the, the story. The best part of the story is that we went there, to radio with like five of those songs and videos, they all. Like, videos. Like, mean,
1: how much spending went into $10 million into that or more. Yeah. She tried to push five off. of those eighteen singles. Yeah,
0: they all did zero brick after brick. <laughs> zero. After brick. I mean so that funny. album
1: was so canned. Yes. It was a disaster. It was a total disaster. And uh yeah. That's what makes it what makes it like fine wine that I, moment. I, I guess maybe there were only thirteen singles and he just <laughs> he guess he chose the show he didn't choose the right ones. Or maybe there weren't ever eighteen singles after all. I guess we'll never know. Oh my god! (laughs) And that's nothing against DJ. He's got a ton of great, great. He's got stripes on his resume. He's absolutely got stripes. I'm a nobody compared to DJ morally, and that's fine. I sleep fine at night, knowing that. But we could, but that is an absolutely true story. And DJ, if you're listening, you know it's true. (laughs) So great. (laughs) I think most of the lessons I learned in my time in music were I saw examples of what not, not to, do. to do and so I learned like how not to manage yeah from seeing by how I, by how I was managed I learned how uh, unhealthy culture was in the work environment from being in music and so now I recognize what is healthy or when I've been in situations to manage people I know how it didn't work for me and so, I don't want to replicate that with the people that I manage or the people Which that I work with. Which is
0: valuable. With. Learning what not to do could be just as valuable. I mean, that yeah. is kind of learning what to do, right? Yeah. By learning what not to do. <laughs> I,
1: I think I'd much rather learn what to do by, by good leaders and good managers and good coworkers and people around me than have to figure it out by being being exposed to the opposite, right? Would you rather be in healthy relationships all your life or recognize what's healthy because you've been abused all your life right yeah so, the the first thing you said the first <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'd rather not date like i mean i'm like i'm with my wife now and i i absolutely love her and i recognize the healthy things in our relationship but a lot of that is because i've been in toxic relationships right you either win or you, you, win, learn. Or you learn absolutely i absolutely believe that um and it's something that Conor McGregor says, who's an incredible I didn't fighter. I did catch that. Yeah, he said that before, okay. too. He doesn't like to lose, but when he loses, he's like, you either win yeah. or you learn.
0: Um, I, and I it's just, true. I just know he said one thing that kind of turned me off. What that one time he's like, he's like, I would like to take this moment to apologize to absolutely no one. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: <laughs> like, the what? double champ does what the fuck no he wants. wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> To get this GoFundMe job, which is yeah. a pretty cool position, yeah. you had to go through like a, a whole slew of interviews, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, six, five, six, something like that. I think maybe. think interviewed with like six or seven people. That, that yeah. sounds about right for that job. So yeah. what would you tell people like if they have an interview coming up? Like, How do you like keep your cool in those situations? One
1: great resource is um, if you check out how people have to prepare for for interviews at Amazon, they ask you... Tons and tons of questions in and they connected back to the Amazon core leadership principles um, and you have to have stories that uh, that speak to all of those leadership principles mm-hmm. so actually interviewing for Amazon for me was the best job practice mm. it was the best practice for all of my other job interviews because it forced me to dig in so much into my into my career and come up with stories that spoke to each one of these leadership principles. They want you to prepare two to three stories for each of their 13 leadership principles. So if you look at your career and you have 20 to 30 stories there and you write them down, how you would speak them and you'll be prepped. It's
0: like whatever you do in this world in one job or your second job or even your fourth job, there's like this core element to it. And it's important to sort of pull back so you can see the forest through the trees yeah. and say, what is my core element that I keep finding myself in, right? Yeah. You just remove the dressing, but underneath it, right? Yeah. For you, it's marketing, I feel like, yeah. right? So yeah. when you were in, when you were in music, yeah. you essentially loved marketing these artists, yeah, right? And absolutely. then, and then, and then, right. And then you did. Uh, whether it's Edmonds, whether it's Moment, whether it's GoFundMe, all these different transitions still have that core tenant to it. And then let's wind it down
1: with you have a food blog on Instagram. Yes, I do. More marketing. That's something I've been doing for like eight years or so. And it was just something I was doing for fun, sharing food pictures. This guy's got,
0: you're up to like almost 8,000 followers, yeah, that, right? Yeah, or 7,500 or something. Yeah. yeah it's like 7,700 right yeah, now. Yeah. That's pretty, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, The when, Bad Hindu. Check oh, yeah, out. Oh yeah. Check that out. Here's the thing though. What point did you realize, uh, the point I just made? Marketing was
1: the common yeah, thread. Yeah. was the
0: common, was yeah. the through
1: line. Cause I think we had that epiphany like in yeah, the last that, episode. That's a really good question. I, I think now in hindsight, it's easy to see that, right? Cause I've, I'm in a marketing role. Now I can look at my Justin job and see how much I focus on marketing there.
0: My path as well. Like when I worked with artists, I loved what they had to say. I loved the message that they were sharing. I thought it was impactful in one way or another. And so now I have a podcast to like share impactful messages. Right. And and like what you're going to school for. I'm in masters getting my clinical psychology. It's the same idea. Right. It's being able to absorb wisdom and knowledge and then sit in those sessions, hopefully, and pass some of that on and,
1: Right, so but, it's, but, but it's, like, j- just take your background. Right, if yeah. you were to look at if you were to look at your background on LinkedIn, you went from being in the A and R department at Interscope to the an Tonight Show, Tonight Show for a little bit, a bit, right. and then an artist manager for five years. Right, and then you're going to be a therapist, a life coach. Like, what's your end goal title going to be?
0: Hmm. I mean. My end goal would be to have a successful podcast, putting mm-hmm. out good messages that help people, yeah. and then be doing sessions to kind of lift people up and give them clarity. But which on is paper, what we're doing
1: here, yeah. But on paper, isn't that crazy? Like, oh, to go on paper, it makes no other, sense. It's like it yeah, doesn't make sense. Sure. But when they hear your narrative, what I just it, said, it, yeah, where it's, it's like,
0: well, it all started from the messages that artists. I've again. you would agree like artists can have huge impact on lifting people up and, and helping people to see the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. So like, that's my core thing and your core thing is the marketing. So, but I think you just made a great point. It took you eight years to really kind of come to terms with that or see that in a 2020 vision, no pun intended. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so for me it's taken me when did I you know it's like I, I left uh, music kind of in 2015 mm-hmm. so it's taken me a good five six years for me to sort of become yeah. aware of this too people can get down in in those in between times too, and that's kind of why I created the podcast was to help people realize that you know that we all go through those chapters and to be honest I think it's like the more you go through these chapters, mm-hmm. the more graceful you can approach future chapters. Would you yeah, agree? Like, absolutely. I mean,
1: that year plus where I was trying to figure out what to do after music, and it 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 was really tough. And it was, I was really down painful. On, it was yeah. it was really painful. I was really down on myself at a lot of points because I felt like I wasn't employable. I was sending out all these applications and I wasn't getting any traction. Yeah, and it makes like. I was like, I know I'm not a dumbass. I know I'm certainly capable of having a job. It started to hit self worth like these... a little bit, though. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, h- how many rejections can yeah, you take without yeah, it feeling totally. like, you know, that it weighs on you? Let's just bring it home quickly
0: with how dating <laughs> <laughs> can sort of mirror, you know, job hunting in a way. Because uh, it totally does. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, and, and so
1: your, your date, resume is like your online dating profile. Yeah, right? equally as frustrating at times, yeah, right? Equally as frustrating. So. And you're just trying to get that first interview, to take that girl out on that first date. So my
0: favorite Naveen saying is, uh, in order to be successful in dating, you have to give up all
1: hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're taking yeah. that a little out of context, but fair enough. I For me, between age 31 and 37, I have like a good six, seven year like I wouldn't say dry spell because it was raining in some at some points, but I wasn't in a serious relationship in that time frame, and not for life. Fru- and frustrated about yeah, that, right? Yeah. And like yeah. putting myself out there, going out on dates. Like I was picking the wrong people. Mm. I was just not meeting the right people, you, and you had a
0: lot of flakes.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot that, of flakiness. That's so frustrating. Um, but uh, and and yeah, it's it's hard. My, my end goal was I wanted to find a long term relationship, and. uh, it was tough because you go out on first date after first date and, you know, you meet some good people. Are there a
0: lot of false starts? Like, for me, I'm experiencing like, oh, this seems yeah. like it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, and then it just... Absolutely,
1: right? Right. You know, you're dodging, you're Dude, like ignoring like... red flags. You're like a slalom skier and you're like, oh, red flag, all good. Like, and <laughs> Oh, wall, wow, here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, like, chasing that 10 on 10, like, magical, sparky first date for me was not always the right move. And, and that's not to say that can't be, that can't lead to happiness. Like I was bringing too much expectation into these dates. I was too in my own head. And what I found worked for me, and I'm not saying anyone else should do this, but I got to a point where after five years of dating regularly and putting myself out there on online dates and first date after first date. How many dates did you say? 250? Probably easy? No, more than that. More than that. 400. Yeah, easy. Probably. Okay, yeah. cool. five yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. After five, six, yeah. seven years, yeah. like, I've been on a ton of first dates. It's mind-boggling. To be honest, I gave up. I was like, I don't think I'm going to find somebody. I'm happy with my life right now. I'm happy with my friends. I'm going like, to be Uncle Naveen. I'm going to be Uncle uh, Naveen. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to still be close to my family. My brother's married. I've got a sister-in-law. They'll have kids. So I'll be a great uncle. My friends have kids. Everyone's for the most part, happy and settled. And, you know, I've done my best to find somebody. It's not happening. I'm gonna continue to put myself out there as much as I'm at peace with the fact that I'm not gonna find somebody, I'm still gonna put myself out there because although I don't think it's gonna happen, I know it's I know Mrs. Wright is not gonna come knocking on my door. Yeah. So I gotta at least put myself out there. But I'd come to terms with the fact that I wasn't gonna find somebody. And like right after that is when no, you met your wife? No, okay, no. I was like, like that's two, the movies, like, man. T- right? Like two years after that <laughs> wow. is when I met my wife. It wasn't a 10 on 10 first date. It was like an eight on 10. Uh, and, and then at what point did you know? Date four, date five, you said something shifted? I think date three, I was like, I knew that there was like a romantic connection. We had our first kiss on date three. So, she, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> She's in the building. <laughs> yeah, she's somewhere. Don't, don't tell her I said that. Yeah, it's just between us. Okay. So yeah. um, and so I knew like there was a connection there, but I was like, you know, we're going to take, I'm not going to jump head first in. And I think she's done that before too. We were, it was good timing for both of us too, because yeah. she was jaded on dating as well and had been looking for a couple of years and felt like, you know, we both felt like it was tough to find quality people. It's tough to find that connection. And, uh, it's tough cause you're dealing, you're dealing with a lot of flakes. And so we weren't that to each other. We were We didn't over-communicate. We didn't under-communicate. And we always had, like, a date on the schedule. Like, Mm -hmm. we always knew that we were seeing each other. And I always wanted to communicate to her and let her know, like, I had fun. I enjoyed hanging out with you. And I want to do it again. Mm -hmm. And she'd always... Because like a lot of times girls will say, oh my God, I had the best time and let's do this again. And then, it and then, just then you goes go text and they ghost you, right? That's insane. Right? So, And some of those can
0: include makeout sessions, which I've had, Yeah, which is bizarre.
1: Yeah. Some of them can <laughs> include a lot more than makeout
0: sessions. By the way, Naveen even brought his marketing talents to my dating profile. He's like, bro, you're 6'4". Put that in the first you, line. Absolutely. And, then all, and then my matches went up like... Eightfold or some shit. It was crazy. Absolutely. He was 100% correct. Yeah. God yeah. bless you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> so. I, same thing. I was e- I was either winning or learning with my profile. Yeah. And when I wasn't getting matches, I knew, you know, I need to optimize Switch this. Switch it up. Just... Trying to get out of your own head and just connect with the person that you're with, right? Like that's the key, I, right
0: there. Yeah, yeah. Because when you put pressure on it, then you're not even like yourself, anyways. And then the other person
1: might feel that pressure and not yeah. be themselves. You're right? in your head. So, they're in their head, and yeah, like 100%. no one's really present. I've definitely been on dates when I meet, like I meet someone and it's going well, and there's this voice in my head that's like, "Is this gonna be your future wife?" And and then I'm saying to that voice, like, "No, shut up! Like just stop." <laughs> just stop get it. to know just, them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But like. And it's hard to control that voice. Very like very that. hard. It's a wild animal. It's a wild animal that you it's tough to yeah. reel in. Just be present in the moment. Connect with somebody. I enjoy meeting people anyway. So worst-case scenario, you've met someone, they're yeah. not a good match for you. Yeah. You keep it moving, right? You buy a drink, you meet someone new, you hear about someone's new someone's life experiences and you know, you keep it moving. You either win or you lose. Um, yeah. <laughs> and best case scenario, you meet someone really cool that you end up marrying. It was not easy. And for an online dating, especially like.
0: It's like an almost, it's like Netflix, right? Now it's like people spend two hours scrolling Netflix, but never like decide on a movie. Watch do you think, I feel like that's having a similar effect on the dating apps because it's like, all right, I I can have like, dude, I mean, I personally have had like probably eight dates in the last like two and a half it's weeks. It's the paradox or, of choice. It is the paradox of choice. So you're like, well, do I, do I, Put my tent here.
1: Or and, do I look for better land? And LA is a city of, you know, always chasing land. the bigger and the better, you know?
0: A hundred percent. But I was thinking about that. It's like not even genuine that if you, and a lot of people, you know, and I, I did this back in the day a lot. I feel like if there was a void and then you're looking for the other person to fill, f- you know, fill that void. To me, it's not even a genuine yeah. uh, transaction. Yeah. So it's like. You'll take anything almost to fill that yeah, void, yeah. right? Yeah, so, for sure. So you want to be good on
1: your own before yeah, be, you, like, you know. be good, be in a good place on your own. And so the person that you meet will only just add to that. Absolutely. Right? And take it to the next level. Right. Yeah. But but like with or without that person, you want to be like in a happy place. It's the it's the it's the half moon versus the two circles that my therapist taught me. Did no. I tell you that? No, yeah. Most this.
0: people are like that half a moon, you know, the cliche moon. Yeah. And they're looking for that that piece to sort of make it a full circle. My therapist is like what you need is two full circles, like Venn diagrams overlapping. Yeah. And then that middle space you share is this awesome relationship. Yeah. But if it went apart You guys are still those full, whole circles. Yeah, absolutely. That's dope. I think
1: that makes a ton of sense. My last piece of advice, so you asked me last time, and I think I can, hopefully I can say it better, is if you're going through a transition yourself or you're trying to make one, just know, like, you're not the first person to have ever made a transition and you won't be the last. The world is your oyster, right? You just have to be patient in yourself and don't get down on yourself and build a narrative that makes sense and it's okay to try something new and fail because you're gonna win or you're gonna learn and you may end up being
0: way happier and be thankful that that path didn't work out that previous path that's the that's the real shit
1: absolutely i mean if justin bieber signed with justin timberlake's label i could still be in music and i guarantee you although i would have more money in the bank your happiness would level would
0: not be where it I would is not yeah, be as happy I agree because we, am Cause right we now. know what the music business yeah, is I yeah know. i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> sorry so, music people no but, but if you're happy props I'll if you're it. happy amazing yeah. so yeah. anyways see you guys next week thank you for tuning in Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now, and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting ConnectionIsMagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, please stay connected.